The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Disclaimer before we start, this is part two of a two-parter. If you want to hear the first part, that's episode five, where we go into finding work. This episode is going to be about being in work as a disabled person. So if you want that context, go back to episode five. Other disclaimer, don't tune away yet. This podcast is full of bad language, slanderous topics. You know, stuff that might offend people. If you're easily offended, well then, yeah, 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 you can you can leave now. But everyone else, tune in. Good one. I felt like I brought, brought the energy this time. Yeah, double team. On your mum. Welcome to the Seesaw Podcast with Tea and Cleves. Each week, offering up a globe special online. We're really bringing it today. Yes. Partly because we have some... I feel the emotions are going to flow in this episode. I think you'll you'll get amped up about stuff. And after the week I've had, I think I'm really going to get amped up about things just organically. Yeah. It's going to spill from me. Yep. Spilling out like curdled milk. Yep. I hate Actually, milk. I hate milk. And that wouldn't happen anyway. It wouldn't spill out if it was curdled. It would sort of like flop out. Flop out, yeah. <laughs> Okay, fine. It's going to flop out of me like some curdled milk. <laughs> so this is the long-awaited part two of employment. I thought you were going to say this is the long-awaited part two of employment two. <laughs> That's a redundant thing to say. I don't know. Wouldn't that be episode three of employment? Unless you're in the Rambo two. series, in which case it's, they make it up where they fucking go along. So employment part two. With our fantastic advice from episode five. You'll now hopefully have a job and be awesome in every single way because you won't be sponging off of society anymore. Yeah, we did say that a lot. Yeah, unless you can't physically work. And we'll let you off. And we'll let you off. This time we're going to talk about when you're in work. So you've got that job, but it's, it's not going to be like butterflies and streams and grass fields and all that sort of. Stuff. What phrases are they? I don't know. <laughs> it's not all butterflies and streams. I was thinking of sunshine. sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> I couldn't think of the phrase, but then I put the image in my head. No, like, I like butterflies and streams. You went to a tranquil place. Yeah, it's all butterfly, butterflies and streams. There we go. Ain't that calming? Sometimes being in work can be a bastard, and then when you're disabled, it can be a super bastard. <laughs> Great name for a band. Probably already is one. Firstly, I'm going to get out of the way the clue to... I alluded last week, another clue of where I work. I use a computer. There you go. <laughs> I never said any good clues. What a nothing clue. Yeah, it's still a clue. Not a raging clue, though, is it? So, you've gone to work. First thing is getting about your place of work, which I think... Before you've been doing your job, that's that's something that can be a bit of a hurdle, can get in the way. 
when you're around the office or wherever you're working, that can be a bit of a pain if you have a limited mobility. It's just really that, that has mobility aspects. So your work, you have a warehouse, don't you? Yeah. Do you go in the warehouse much? Uh, I used to go in there a lot. I don't really go in there anymore. It got, my work got extremely busy come lockdown. Seeing as we're in the baking industry, everyone decided that they want to bake cakes in lockdown because they can do fuck all else. So our warehouse got absolutely jam-packed, full of stock, full of new staff just to get all the orders out. And there was just like, I don't want to say it's a mess, but it was more haphazard than it used to be. Mm. And it became a place that I couldn't really get around very well anymore. I still go in there every now and again during the mornings when not a lot of staff are in. But at the minute, it's just too much stuff knocking about. Plus, I have to wear a mask as well, which teams up my glasses, which gives me even less visibility. So I just kind of avoid it if I can. I mean, in my place of work, I my building that I work in is quite busy, generally. There's a lot of like foot traffic. That should have been your clue. In my place, there's a few things that aren't great. So some of the stairs don't have markings on them, like the edges, stuff like that. I have raised this. Nothing's been done about it. I get that they don't want to overhaul and smash up or damage or do whatever they want to do. Like to their nice, lovely staircases, because some of them are nice and like landscaped and things, but legal requirements. Paint the edge or mark the edges. Yeah, just mark the edges. Like, there's no reason not to. And some of them already have like the edge protecting things on, like the black things. Make them white or yellow. Like, why are they black? So there's no excuse for that. And sort of getting around as well, navigation isn't great. Like, you, you, if you don't know the building, it's rubbish because it's signposted where different departments are or different parts of the building. They're not really readable. How would you make that better? I don't really see a, a way around that. Well, you could have someone at the entrances, like a help desk. Are you going to pay that extra member of staff, are you? When signs are nice and free? Well, we already have that capability to do that. The, the problem is the reception area that we have isn't immediately obvious. There's around three or four different entrances to the building. And the reception area isn't one of them. So unless you go in that door, you're not going to get help from someone. But Think of it like a fun little game. Like a mouse in a maze. Not, not when you have a meeting and you're told the meeting's in D74 and you're like, I, I don't even know what that means. All your meetings are in the D. In fact, I don't really go up to the D floor, to be honest. <laughs> the D comes to you. Ah, oh, mate, if you're disabled, you'd just be glad to be in the door. Yeah, I think that's sometimes the thing. I don't kick off about a lot of the stuff because I'm happy to be in work and don't want to be a troublemaker, which shouldn't be the case. A lot of the time you can make your own adjustments, though. You can. But I mean, work, the workplace is meant to make, quote, reasonable adjustments, but what that amounts to is debatable. Yeah. I mean, all, all, I'm, all I'm saying is the amount of times I've tripped over things or slipped or something like that at places of work, and, and out and about in like other places, like day to day, just from people not adhering to health and safety legislation. If I had the, the money resources and could take a civil case up against every incident, I probably wouldn't even have to work, to be honest. I'd oh. probably be quite well off at this point. Maybe that's your get-rich-quick scheme. Maybe, but you don't want to be a scumbag, do you? Mm. Depends how much is on the table. So, let's move on to other people. In the workplace? In the workplace. The first day at work is a bit tricky, isn't it? Because no one knows really what your disability is like. 
and particularly with people like me and me and you, whilst you get the and I mean initially, for example, for me, people can see a white cane. Initially, for people with you, they can see a dog. What they assume from that can be anything. I mean, with, with a dog, I think the dog perpetuates images of completely blind not being able to see a thing. I think the stick does as well, to be honest. I suppose it depends on the person, doesn't it? I think less so with the stick, I would argue. Mm. I think the dog seems like a bit more of a sort of like a higher level of mobility aid. <laughs> In the hierarchy. No, no. Well, it's a hierarchy. It goes magnifier stick dog. <laughs> Then wheelchair with GPS. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think a dog, because they're so difficult to get hold of, I think that perpetuates a bit more like you're more disabled because you have a dog. I don't know. But people like come to the assumption, like you say, that they think that you're either completely blind and can't do anything, or when you start walking around without your stick, because you might be able to do that at certain points, depending on, like, for me, certain parts of the office, I can, I can walk around and... I don't need the stick for certain parts. I might need it for a lot, but certain parts not. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, how can you can walk without it at certain points? Or how can you can see certain things but not other things? And it's just like you have to you just explain what it's like. People normally get it, especially when they work with you for a long period of time, but it's when you first get there, there's always, oh, I'm going to have to explain it. Yeah, and I feel sometimes that I have to justify myself, which I don't want to do sometimes. So in these instances, it's like, oh, how come you go to the bathroom opposite the office without your dog? And I have to say, well, because I know the area, I use my other senses, it's not a big deal, I know where it is, and frankly, getting the harness and lead on the dog I, every hour or so for me to go to the bathroom and then try and stuffing him into like a cubicle, it just doesn't work. But then I don't, sometimes I don't want to have to justify myself. And so I, I don't want to answer these questions. Can't you just trust that I know what's best for me? Why do I have to answer these questions? Well, there's not enough knowledge about people's conditions out there, is it? People have that assumption. Yeah, true. And I, I agree that asking questions, I'm never afraid to answer questions. That's fine. But it's when it's the same people again and again and again, or the same questions again and again and again, and sometimes you have off days and you don't want to answer those questions. Sounds like you're encountering a lot of people that are either stupid or ignorant, or both. In my day-to-day, I do find a lot of that. Not necessarily through my work, place of work, but in general. I think, especially, I think the dog encourages that because it encourages conversation. Sure. They do get used to what you can and can't do. I think sometimes it goes the other way, where sometimes people forget that I have disability. Oh, yeah, same here. Well, they rush out of the office to a meeting and then they're like, oh, shit, yeah, you've got to get your dog ready. And they'll just completely forget. Because, spoiler alert, disabled people are normal people and we just crack on and get on with things. But then there's instances where it does show. Another aspect is climbing the ladder. Once you're in the job, let's say you're in the job, let's say you've been there for a year and a half, two years, something like that. I have always found... Climbing the ladder is quite difficult, being disabled, because I always still think that it's just like doing the application again, like proving, even though you know the job now, you still need to prove that you're not a liability. In a previous place of work, I 
got promoted to a management position and then on a Christmas party, a manager from another one of the uh, another one of our locations had had a few drinks and basically said to me, oh, you've done really well in your job. I was like, oh, thanks very much. And said, yeah, a lot of us, uh, a lot of us head office and senior management didn't think that you'd be any good. It's like, right. Because, yeah, we, we just didn't think you'd be able to do the job, you know, you know, visual impairment. We didn't think you'd be able to do it, but we're quite surprised that you were able to do the job. T, changing perceptions, I mean, one I'm, location at a time. But it's like, what response have I got to that? Like the fact that head office didn't expect anything from me. Does that mean that my job... I mean, they're basically just admitting to prejudice. Yeah. Totally illegal. Yeah, but it wasn't recorded. So even though I knew that was the case because it was said to me, I can't prove that. They can just turn around and deny it happened. Tonight they said it. Again, a problem with the law. I don't know how you would change that. Mm. Well, I don't know. I think in that particular instance, you got promoted on merit because they didn't think you could do it, but they hired you anyway. Maybe it was out of... They had no other candidates, but... The fact that they did it and you did well at the job, yeah, and they've clearly recognised that you're doing well at the job, is potentially changing their perceptions. I don't know. It, it just seemed like when that was said to me at the Christmas party, it just seemed like it took away some of what I achieved. Like I'll never be equal. It just made me feel like I'm never going to be equal. Like I'm a like I'm a special needs child at a competition who just gets a trophy for taking part. Mate, everyone gets a trophy for taking part now. It's the world we fucking live in. Everyone's a pussy. Yeah, that's true. But I don't want to be looked down on. Yeah, I mean, at my place of work, I obviously started lowest of the low customer services and I work up to where I am now. I've done three different jobs for the company. Uh, and every time I've been hired for a new job, I've always been hired or promoted or just simply moved. And I've always been paid less than the previous person doing that job. So yeah. that kind of sucks. But it is what it is. At least I'm moving up the ladder. At least I'm doing it. I kind of just have to focus on me and not worry about what everyone else is doing. Because, you know, it, it takes two people in that instance, one to apply for a job and one to accept it. And perhaps I didn't fight for as much as I should have done. So partly on me. But again, you have that burden of having to prove yourself, don't you? I, I agree. I mean, there's certain things that I can't do in my job now, but my colleague that also works with me, she'll cover that part of stuff and I'll cover other parts of stuff that she won't cover. So as a team, we work pretty well. Yeah, but in an ideal world, if you were to take out the duties she was doing, then your work should be able to help accommodate that so you can do it. It's not physically possible. How so? Well, a lot of it's warehouse work, or parts of it is warehouse work, which I might have been able to do before, but currently now it's not, not without huge amounts of financial investment. And as a sm- Well, we're not really a small company anymore. I imagine we're in the medium bracket now. Yeah. But it's not a viable option for one person. And I don't need to do it. There are ways around it. Do you know what I mean? There's so, if, there'll always be someone else with me on that department that can cover the bits that I can't. And whilst they're doing that, I can cover the bits that they're not doing. So yeah. it doesn't really matter. I think making every aspect of a company, like, like you've said, it can be very expensive making it cost-effective. Making, making things accessible for a company can be very expensive. Yeah. And often needless. I would argue the needless side of it. It depends on how much they are not doing. Maybe your instance, it would be needless to do that. And like the best solution is to have someone to take that up. 
but there there are going to be instances in other locations and other companies and other circumstances where adaptation would make things a lot better. But let's be fair, you probably haven't hired that disabled person in the first place, if that's the case. Yeah. Because it's not profitable at the end of the day. Yeah, you've been fucked from the off in that case. Yeah. And that's the problem, because it, it does come down to money. And I've been quite lucky with my place of work, because they have, when I started, they basically said, what do you need? And we'll get it. That's ridiculously good. You're... You, you're so exception. lucky to get that. <laughs> yeah. Mine is an exception to the rule. I had a custom laptop made, a screen that I needed, that sort of thing, then got a custom screen made. And now that potentially I'm going to be working from home and the office is sort of like here and there, I have no reservations that they're going to have me a setup at my office as well as being at home. But that's so rare. At my place, I've never been asked, nor will I ask, because I can usually find my own way around it. And that's what it was like in my old place. To be fair, the government really should be providing a lot of these things, or at least the systems are in place to provide them. Well, let's move on to that, shall we? If we're going to chat about access to work, I'll give my very brief outline of my experience, because I only have a very short one. So the access to work scheme is a government-run scheme. You usually get assessed or go through... If you have an assessment for equipment and that sort of thing, it's usually a charity that does it for you. They do their assessment, and then they make recommendations to your employer. And for the first six weeks of employment, the government will pay the costs of what you need for equipment and various things. After six weeks, I believe the employer has to accept the cost of that. There's a lot of ins and outs of it, and it changes frequently, so this will probably be outdated outdate in like six months. That's why I'm being intentionally quite vague. But the idea is the scheme is supposed to make it so that you are not at a disadvantage at your place of work, that your employer has to provide you with the equipment or the government can provide you with the equipment. This can be a... Uh, you can have a personal assistant, if you're visually impaired or blind, I think there's around a £40,000 a year um, allowance for you to have a personal assistant who can drive you around and various stuff like that. It's near impossible to get, from what I can gather. I'm shaking in my head in disdain already. So it's apparently that's what you can get. I don't know anyone who... I know someone who had one as a volunteer... But then's the question, why is a volunteer having someone paid like 20 or grand a year to be their personal assistant? That's a bit of a weird thing, weird situation. But the, the important thing, and this is what's going to go into my experience before I hand over to you, Cleves. These are recommendations and not requirements. One of my previous employers, big organisation, very big, we had made some changes to our system and internally how we were doing things with processes. At the time, I had a computer in my office that was ancient. It was fine for the things I was using it for, but not for what was going to happen. I thought, okay, I'll use access to work. So had an assessment. Someone came and chatted to me and said, okay, what's changing? What's the situation now? What do you need? And I explained to them, right, this is what I need. 
I need a laptop or a computer that's a bit more accessible to me. These are reasons why. They said, okay, that seems absolutely reasonable. They went away, wrote up a report, sent the report, one copy to me and one to my employer, the manager of the, the place I was working. Nothing happened. It went into a filing cabinet and was never touched, never actioned. By access to work or the employer? By the employer. Okay. Because they didn't want to pay the money. The recommendation was to provide me with certain bits of equipment for me to be able to do my job. And they did absolutely nothing because there's no legal requirement for them to follow through on it. So I just gave up and I just made do, which wasn't the ideal situation, but I didn't want to burn any bridges for possible advancement or pay increases going down the line by going and fighting for something which they would seem as quite an incidental minor thing. I didn't want to go, you've got to pick your battles. And this wasn't a battle, this wasn't a hill I wanted to die on. So the scheme achieved absolutely nothing. So that that's my experience. And since then, I haven't used access to work and haven't needed to. But it puts me right off, like, not ever using it. But that's a very small aspect on it then, like, compared to you. You have also used access to work, haven't you, Cleves? You touched on the access to work and giving up on it. That is access to work's M.O., Getting disabled people to just give up on employment and just have them sat on benefits. I fucking hate access to work. It is the shittest scheme around. I'm going to buckle in. The reason, <laughs> the reason I use access to work is my job changed recently with COVID to the point that some the, per, the colleague that I worked with meant she had to do later shifts, so I was doing earlier shifts. So I got to finish at quarter past three, and my sight condition dictates that in the dark, it's much worse for me. So leaving at quarter past three, I could walk home before it got dark. However, during winter, I have to be in the office by half past seven. It's dark as hell. So I got to access to work, who should provide you with literally what it says, access to work. They will pay for a taxi or someone to drive you, providing that you can't get to work. And where I am at, I have to walk to work. It's a 20 minute walk to work. In the middle of winter, in the dark, it's tough. It's especially tough when it's snowing or pissing it down. Because, you know, when the rain's splashing off your glasses and stuff, you can't see. When I'm walking down a large hill to get to work and it's snowing and i got my stick out, it's really tricky to balance to get down that hill. So I thought, you know what? I'll ask access to work. You send them three quotes for local cab firms. And the first problem is that cab firms will give you an estimated rate. So you send that off, access to work will be the cheapest one. You take a cab to work, and it might be more than it was estimated, because you're on the meter. Yep. But access to work have only approved the, the minimum amount, or the, the quoted amount that was on that. Yep. They won't pay you anymore. So that was my first qual. Send that straight off to them. I was like, you know, this is a problem. It might cost me £6.80 to get to work, but I've only been allocating £5.80 per journey. I'm only asking for five journeys a week just to get there. Getting back's not a problem. Just You just don't get a response on them. There's fucking no response at all. And then like a week later, I'm chasing it. Like, can you do something about this? And then I, I actually, I logged official complaint, complaint, complaint number one. And eventually what they did to resolve it was up, up my amounts. But the other problem with access to work is they want you to do everything by paper. They'll send the forms out by paper. They want you to sign and return them by paper. 
So firstly, that's costing me to send it. Secondly, you're damaging the environment by sending paper. It's not accessible really, is it? And thirdly, they can email it. When I yeah. said I don't want to send it back, can you email it? They emailed it. Yeah. Why are you doing this? I mean, if they sent me paper, I can't read that. Even in large print, it's a, it's a piss take, especially now. Yeah. That was just to approve the actual journeys. Then the fun begins because you take the journeys, then at the end of each month, so they claim, you send the receipts back to them and they reimburse you. Again, they can't email it. You can't, e you can't email your receipts in. They want you to print every single receipt. So for me, it was cab firm and I got a, because um, I couldn't be on account, you have to be on a business for my local cab firm. So every time you book a, a cab, which is what you're looking four, five, so 20 receipts. Yep. For a month, on average, let's just let's just call it that. Four weeks, five days, twenty receipts. I'm having to print every single one. Uh, I'm gonna have to fill in a form to say every single journey that I've taken, and then you have to post it off because apparently they do not accept your receipts via email, which I did. Sent it with a courier. I thought I'm gonna get it sent tracked. I'll send it through work. I'll be fine. But no, because the actual address where you send it to doesn't accept couriers. It's a mail sorting facility that only accepts Royal Mail. In no way do they specify this on the on the email that they send you. Right. So I got back to them straight off like, they've just rejected it. Is this because of COVID and everyone's in lockdown? Can I not just email it in? Again, I'm, I'm on this email train like so hard. Like, why, why are you making me, especially during COVID, why are you making me go out of my way to buy stamps, go to the post box, post it, outside when we're all meant to be in lockdown yeah. and you're fucking about with this and they turned around and went oh yeah in this particular circumstance you can email it to us i'm like you fucking what yeah why why are you making me go through all this shit when you can accept emails they make out like you they can't accept emails and it's it's utter horseshit they can just accept it but for some reason they just don't want to I've honestly, I've, I've tried to think about it so many times and the only possible reason I can think of is that like Royal Mail gets some sort of kickback from them or something and that they have to have X amount of parcels and letters a year for them to, for, to, to, to do it. Mm. But then, I just don't know why you wouldn't just let someone email them. Surely it's quicker, cheaper and uses less paper and damages less of the environment and that's all round. That's for them and for you. Why are you making people post this shit in? I have a theory on that. Go on. I believe that these requests are dealt with uh, by a team. I think this team has probably been in post for a long time. Maybe in their 40s, 50s, maybe a little bit computer illiterate. I get that. And that's maybe this is the way they've always done it. It doesn't matter, though, because they do accept emails. Yeah, probably on exception because of the fact that it's easier for them to do it the old way. How is it easier, though? Because it's going to take longer for them I, to yes. literally get a piece of paper, type all that shit into a computer, send it off to accounts. Yeah. All they're doing is looking at it on screen rather than in front of them. And if that's the problem, print it. Just, you know, get the email and print the email. But I've worked with people and you've worked with people who are averse to change and technology. And there's nothing you can do to make them do these processes. I'm just playing that's, not, that's not an excuse though, is it? It's because not. You're, you're literally making their life easier. Even if you email it and they print it, at least no one's having to sort mail yeah, but they don't from their side. 
They don't understand that. All they know is that what they're doing at the moment is changing. So why would they want that? I finally, when I actually emailed my first lot across, I got a remittance. And I was like, oh, so you can accept it by email. And then the remittance wasn't paid. It was just, you're going to get paid on this date. Fine. Ring up. Oh, yeah, it hasn't been paid. Give it seven days. Okay. Gave it seven days. Come back. It's not been paid. Oh, yeah, it was cancelled for some reason. Oh, maybe it was refused by your bank. Firma bank. No, no, no. We've had no payment. Like, oh, maybe your details are wrong. And I turned around and said to him, I know they're not wrong. Because I emailed it you in. I've got a copy of the email right here. My bank details are correct on the fucking email. So if you're telling me I've put them in wrong, you're fucking lying. This whole scheme is a farce. It's, It's literally, as far as I'm aware, it's there to show people that the government are helping disabled people to work. But it's not a thing. It's just, it's just like a, just like a front, mm. and really all it is is designed to to make the government look good, but ultimately pay out as little as possible. And the reason they do that is by making these disabled people who are supposed to be helping get into work go th- jump through so many hoops that by the end of it they just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Like I got to the point where I was three months down on taxi uh, payments. And they hadn't, re- they hadn't reimbursed me any at this point. So it was like De- December, January, February. And like, we're talking March. And I've got nothing back. I've had, a re- I've had one remittance, which they haven't paid. And the rest, they just haven't bothered. And at this point, I can't afford to take taxis anymore. Because I'm nearly 300 bones down. Give me that money back. So I'm having to walk in the dark with my stick in the snow. And just hope that I don't hit shit. Because I've got no other choice at this point. I can't afford to do it. And I don't get why they're doing it. I mean, you're trying to get disabled people into work. Just give them the opportunity. Why have you not streamlined the entire process, especially this day and age? <laughs> and the kicker is as well, I put in a second complaint because my remittances hadn't been paid uh, and I'd sent it off for three months. I'm just like, where the fuck is this money? Yeah. And I literally said to them, like the crux of my email was, I promise I will not use this service again. Just pay me the goddamn money that you said you would give me and I will leave you alone. Yeah. And I went back to that original email that uh, that said, oh, you have to send everything in via post. Didn't say the Royal Mail on it, obviously. And at the bottom, the kicker was, it says, please be mindful of the environment. Please do not print if you don't have to. What? <laughs> yeah. You know how they tag those things on the bottom yeah. of the email? Yeah. And it literally says above it, like, you cannot send it by email. I was just like... Oh, you, you cunts, you utter cunts. I honestly hate access to work. I would not recommend. If you're disabled, do not use access to work. Just use it. If you, and again, I probably played into the government's hands here because they don't want you to use that service. But if you cannot use that service, then don't use it. Honestly, do not use that service. It is a travesty. I agree. It, it's complete farce. The thing is, it's not its not just the monetary issues. I mean, I couldn't afford to do it in the end, which, firstly, I can get to work just about. I mean, it, it's, it's dangerous. Mm. When it's dark and when it's snowing and when it's raining, it's very dangerous for me. But other people are going to be worse than me. Yeah. Maybe if they don't have this service, they can't physically get to work. Yeah. And, and it's not, you know, they can't do it. I can do it, but it's pr- quite possibly detrimental to my health. But other people just can't straight up do it. I mean, the solution to this is very easy. To get that quote, like find out how much it's actually going to cost. They could just pay them in advance. And then give you six months worth, not to you, 
but to that actual company. Yeah. And the company could have an account and they have the account and they have the money there. And then if it dries up and they need more money, they can go back to access to work. Or if there's more money than is needed, that can go back to access to work. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you wouldn't have a team dealing with claims. You'd have one accounts team. Or perhaps that team that dealt with claims would would then deal with you know various yeah. people's accounts. But again, you wouldn't be having this issue. Exactly. It it seems like the scheme is devised to stop people ripping off the system, but other processes would work, get rid of that aspect, and be more efficient and cons- like customer service focused. It's not doing what it claims its purpose is, and that's helping people, disabled people, get access to work. It's not doing that at all. No. It's fucking them over, if, if, if anything. Yeah. Well, they've done that to you, and my my situation was never resolved. Like, yeah. It was a recommendation that my employer ignored. So it is a complete farce. I still haven't got one of my remittances back. Hopefully give us an update when that happens. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm almost there. They've paid me most of my money back now at this point. And that's with two logged formal complaints. And I can't tell you just how many email follow-ups I've had to send to various different departments just to get shit done. It's it's a farce. Inefficient. I, think I think that's the word, isn't it, farce? Mm. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. If you don't want to spend the money, don't have the scheme. No. It wouldn't be much of a difference if they didn't have it. In fact, it would save the government money because you're not paying for the staff. Yeah. So is there anything positive we can say? Any ideas, any guidance you want to throw out while you're in work? Yeah, Let's here's a positive about thing being with work. People will learn your tics and what goes on as a, as a disabled person. And if they're not a dick, they'll be cool with that. And they're the kind of people that you want around at your workplace. Because yeah. they'll help you out. The good on Christmas parties, if you've got, you know, if you've got an issue. And they'll like you for you. So yeah. just stick with it. If you have to explain your disability to people when they're new, that's fine. You're just going to have to do it. People understand. Don't be a bastard. Yeah. you just got to chill out for the first few weeks. Yeah. Just tell them what your issues are. People will learn. People will adapt. And the best thing you can do as a disabled person as well is um, make your own adjustments if you can. Do everything you yeah. can to avoid access to work. And if you can't, do it immediately. Don't yes. wait. I know you'll be in probation, but don't wait. Because in the first six weeks, even though access to work sucks, it's the government that has to pay the bill. So you can put pressure on them. And it might take forever. But after that six weeks, if you have a small employer and you need something after that six weeks, they have to fit that bill. And that will not look good on you going forwards. But if you wait until a point where they have to pay that money out. You mean the, the after six weeks, the, the company will have to pay the money rather yeah. than access to work? Yeah. To get it in early and access to work will have to pay rather than the company? Yes. And that's on like equipment and various things. Get it in early. If you need assistance, just go to your manager within like a few weeks of starting to say, look, this will help me, this will help me, I'm fine, but at the moment, and I can make my expectations, but if we put the application in now, the government and access to work will fit the bill for this. Well, they claim to. But they will eventually, like not immediately, but get that ball rolling. Don't wait until after the six-week mark, because they'll just wash their hands of it and just give you a recommendation letter and be like, there you go. Well, I'm glad that you could have a platform event. I think it's important. Fuck access to work. 
I would have to agree with that. I hope everyone that works for that department gets herpes. That's extreme. <laughs> I mean, her- uh, yeah, you know, you've got herpes for life. I was about to say herpes cleans- clears up, doesn't it? But kind of keep it for... No, no. Um... I think it's a nasty cold for at least a week. What, COVID? No. <laughs> Same thing, isn't it? Same thing, isn't it? No, no. A non-fatal, like, inconvenient cold for a week. Sounds like the flu. The flu, there you go. What's the difference between flu and COVID? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I 100% did that to lead you down a path. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm not going down that route. So if you have got a positive experience of access to work, firstly, you're lying. <laughs> but you can also try and justify that by coming to us. Rest assured, we're going to be tweeting this right at access to work as well. You'll probably get the same response that you do from every other email that you uh, send. What, send it by letter? Not. Yeah, yeah, please yeah, please send it by letter. But not with a courier, because apparently a mail handling service doesn't accept courier mail. That's what we should do. We should, tr- we should get the uh, the captions for this and print it out on some of that old school printer paper, which is a massive reel, and just send it to access to work. Hopefully this has been entertaining. And maybe you've gotten some ideas from it. I feel it might have been educational in some ways. Yeah. If you're not it's more of a warning. Yeah. For now, we'll leave it there. Signing off. Signing off. Next week, surprise, of course. <laughs> you don't even have the enthusiasm for it anymore. You just lob it in like, yeah, next week, surprise. Whatever. But the thing is, because we always have like a pre-recording like chat, little meet-up beforehand, when we go over what topic we're going to do. We don't... Yeah, it's never more than a week in advance, though, is it? No. <laughs> so we, we don't know what we're going to be doing. We have things planned, but we don't know when we're going to be doing them. That's why we're saying surprise. It's a surprise for us, too. Alright. Till next week. Yep, till next week. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Seesaw Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Seesaw Podcast, Twitter, Seesaw Pod. You can email us at seesawpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on TikTok and Instagram at Seesaw Podcast or Seesaw Pod, depending on which one we want. But get us on the other places. This podcast was recorded in front of a blind audience.